0: And what I want to do is um, uh, use last week's message as a springboard into a new series for the new year. So last week, uh, and I'm taking a lot of us were here last week, I actually spoke on hope that does not disappoint. And the whole concept of we need to anchor our hopes, our true lifelong hopes and security on something that's just bigger than us and how we can make it in life or even relying on the society around us. Because as we've seen, even this week, things can really move and shake very, very quickly. There's a lot of instability out there. The great news is is there's one thing that is eternal, that is unshakable, that is stable in every season, no matter what the world around is doing or even what your own heart's doing. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, Today and forever. And last week, uh, you know, I really encouraged us to anchor our hope in the promises of God. I encourage us this year to make a fresh commitment to journaling, uh, to things like prayer, to things like uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and his relationship in our life. And I really want to reinforce that 2021 is a year of simply connecting with and walking with God. Okay. And uh, after the events of this week, I felt like last week's message all of a sudden became prophetic yeah. uh, when the whole world starts to shake. And so I want to springboard off that, this whole concept of walking with God. And I want to introduce a series that I'm going to use a number of, and it's going to be a bit of a different series because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm real it's going to be testimony sort of based in a sense. I want to tell stories Uh, around this whole concept and this is a concept that is absolutely critical to developing intimacy with God. I want to introduce the surrender series. Surrender series. The point of surrender in our own heart. Jesus led the way with not my will but thy will be done. That's what I'm talking about and uh, the fact is that's not a that's not an embraced concept in our society is it? Because our society is very much like, no, you need to seize the day, seize the opportunity, take life by the scruff of the throat and make it what you want. That's sort of the flow of our society. And yet there's a principle in scripture, there's a principle in our walk with God, uh, where it's funny, we're really happy to know God as saviour, but are we happy to know him as Lord? A saviour is rescue me from my brokenness. Lord is, uh, I'm actually committing my steps to you. Yeah. And so that's why surrender is such a necessary principle. Uh, now, I believe God wants us to live Large, I really do. Live life big. Uh, God is a big God. If we're created in his image, then I believe that we should live broad, expansive lives. We should really want to be everything that we were created to be. That's what glorifies God. The question is, how do you do that? How do you get there? And I introduced that thought even last week uh, with the disciples. This is why Jesus caught them. And then taught them when they were arguing over who would be the greatest. Uh, you know, interestingly, and what I said last week was that Jesus did not rebuke them for wanting to be great. He didn't say, how dare you want to be great. He actually showed them the correct way yeah. to become great. Because uh, uh, grabbing a hold of the life that God's got for us, living in you know, that realm of walking with God and living an amazing and, and expansive life doesn't mean an easy life just a a big expansive life Um, walking in that realm actually requires surrender and uh, and it is greatness so greatness is noble Jesus didn't rebuke the desire to be great what he challenged was their way of going about it becoming great in God's eyes and the way we do it is very different to the mold of our world and Jesus said, you know, the, the people outside of the covenant grace of God, they manipulate and they dominate. He used this word, they lord it over one another. Yeah. But it's not to be so amongst you. If you want to be great, he affirmed it, it's okay. Yeah. Then this is what you do. He even showed the way. Yeah. Learn to become the servant of all. Yeah. And and I think in everything in our journey spiritually you know, the journey is every bit as important to God as the destination. Sometimes we've just got destination disease. I know where I want to be and I know what I want. But actually for God, it's the journey. It's the process because it's in the process of walking with God that you develop intimacy with God, that you develop relationship with God. And I thought that's what this whole Christianity thing was all about. Bringing us back into relationship with our creator. True? Without a doubt, one of the things that affect our experience of life, our largeness of life, more than anything else, are the decisions we make. The decisions we make. All of us would be able to give an example of finding ourselves in a place in life where we can look back and go, I am so glad I made that decision because now I'm reaping the benefits. And conversely, every one of us could probably say, if we were honest, that we have found ourselves in a place in life where we can look back and go, that was a bad decision, and now I'm reaping the consequences of it. So decisions are absolutely critical, and that's why I want to speak to us really quickly today about decisions for destiny. Okay, decisions for destiny. I'm talking about major life decisions. These are life partner, if that's what you want, level decisions. These are career level decisions. This is literally where will I plant myself on the planet kind of stuff. This is not praying about whether you have Vegemite or peanut paste on your toast in the morning, okay? Not those. We're not going to stop and become fearful. I think every light from heaven is green unless God turns it red. So I like to progress in life like God has already said yes. And if I'm sensitive, I can always hear him say no or wait. Do you know that? God's got three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and not yet. And sometimes we don't realize that. We get frustrated. We think God said no, and it's actually a wait just wait for the timing and so I want to talk to us about decisions for destiny I want to look at a couple of passages about Jesus and Jesus may be making decisions that don't seem to be with the flow of where his life and ministry was traveling at that time and when we look at those decisions we see that Jesus was running on a a higher agenda now it's easy for us to say of course Jesus was running on a higher agenda but the fact is as children of God that's what God wants us to do too to run on a higher agenda something beyond just what I can see and touch and taste and smell and desire to experience to actually make decisions that are sort of born out of heaven if I could put it that way okay first passage of scripture I want to look at are you convinced are you with me John chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, this is interesting because Jesus came to be known. He came, in a sense, to create a name for himself. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. So obviously Jesus is trying to, you know, become someone. And here is the perfect opportunity. And when it says here by force, the the, the thought of the scripture is literally out of popularity. It's like, man, you are so awesome. You should be king. This wasn't like I'm going going to hold you at sword point and make you do something that you don't want to do this was just popularity sweeping Jesus to fame and he walked away yet he wants to be known as the savior of the world what he had a perfect platform but he stepped back why I suggest because he's running on a different agenda you know, the, 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 he was going to get his word out a different way and obviously his father had a plan to get it out in a different way than just worldly fame. I wonder how many of us could stop if we were being swept up by popularity towards a point, how many of us would be able to stop and go, you know what, it looks good, but it's not the way I'm meant to head and head the other way. There's a lot, a lot of people probably in the entertainment industry for a start that maybe would wish at some point they'd stopped being driven by popularity before it got them into really deep water personally. Um, And so that's just an example of Jesus' decision making that seemed a little bit counterintuitive. Luke chapter 5 verse 15 through 16 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that people... Uh, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, intuitively, you'd say, Jesus, you're wasting time. You came to heal the sick. You came to declare salvation. You came to bring forgiveness. You came to be the saviour, Messiah of Israel and saviour of the world. This is what you were born for. And yet Jesus is able to just withdraw from it. And it just seems a bit counterintuitive. Jesus was not driven necessarily by need. I tell you a great example of that could be Bartimaeus. You remember blind Bartimaeus and he calls out to Jesus. Jesus on the road to Jericho and he calls out and Jesus heals him. The blind man. Well, the interesting thing would be to question, I wonder how many times... Jesus walked past Bartimaeus before he healed him because Jericho which is the road he was on was a common route out of Jerusalem it's it was a priestly city it's where most of the uh, the Levites who served the temple at least stayed or lived permanently so Jesus would have had quite an affinity with that place it's where he has the encounter with Zacchaeus so it's obvious that he's there a little bit and it's probably likely he was there a lot Bartimaeus was blind from birth was placed beside the road as he would have been probably in the exact same place he'd been maybe for decades begging and yet it's a fair way into the gospels that you see Jesus stop to heal him and you wonder just how many times he might have actually walked past not driven by the need or even by the desire but waiting for the right moment You know, for for Bartimaeus, the answer from God was, yes, I want to heal you. But it could have also been, yes, not yet. Until an opportune time. So you see, Jesus, he's moving in a different rhythm to the rhythms and the normal patterns of what this world might say. This is how you become the saviour of the world and well known by everyone as a miracle worker. And then finally in Mark, chapter 1, verse 35 through 38, very early in the morning while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I came. So Jesus' whole pattern is just to listen to God. Even when it came to decisions, that seemed fairly clear. You came to heal. You came to preach. And now they're gathering at the doors. The previous passage to that talks about how many he'd healed the day before. And so crowds are gathering. Words getting out. So Jesus leaves. You know, that's not what a rock band does. They, they hire the venue and do another three shows. And Jesus is like, right now that the crowd's really building, let's go somewhere else. Again, running on a different agenda, not the way that we would do it. And this is the point that I'm really wanting to make today. He surrendered To God, he surrendered his decision making, the critical decision making here just around his ministry to God. He surrendered to God rather than feelings, emotions, fear of missing out, compelling advertising or opportunity knocks. And they are all things that sometimes we struggle to make good decisions in the pressure of. From from a friendship circle, man, who knows someone who just got in with the wrong group, bad decision, and it really messed them up, you know. Or someone who young people here today jumping into a relationship, everyone around you can see it's premature and not really smart, but you had to find out the hard way. We've all done that, where we 're driven. That's again, I spoke about advertising last week, but that's what the whole thing's driven by: the fear of missing out. Yeah. FOMO, you know, who's been on eBay and you see uh, 396 sold, one left. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. I think you've got another box of them out the back, because every time I visit your site, you 've always got one left. fear of missing out, these things drive us to make premature decisions that can then really, really hurt us long-term in life. And we look back, and again, I'm talking about the big decisions of life. And the problem for us is our whole society is geared and pushes us towards jump on it while it's hot. You know, jump on, jump in, get it, seize it. Everything from, you know, food, sorry to talk about that so soon after Christmas, but from food to lifestyle, even to relationships, literally. Jump in and go for it. And at some point we've got to ask ourselves the question. If I'm making a big life decision, where is God in this? Am I letting God into this big decision that's actually going to set a trajectory in my life? When, again, we're not talking about Vegemite versus peanut butter. We're talking about major decisions of life. And do we want God to set the trajectory or are we going to trust ourselves to set the trajectory with the big things of life? Yeah. Um, so I want to talk real quick. Here's my point. I'm going to tell a couple of stories, then we're going to be finished. But I'm going to tell a couple of stories. And I've got five minutes to do it. Awesome. Um, how to get it right, it's pretty simple. And it's what this whole theme of this year is about. Intimacy with God. Stop, pray, listen. Stop, pray, listen. That's what you see Jesus doing. Stop, up, up, up the mountain, comes back down with a totally contrary decision. Why? Because he listened. Lord, there's Father, there's a lot of people down there with a lot of need father I don't know what he said but he might have said something like yes but if you get bogged down there there's a lot of people who won't hear. so I need you to go to the next town and the next village and spread this broad I, I don't know but that seems to be the pattern of Jesus life and so how to get it right stop pray listen now I, as I said I treat every stoplight as green oh sorry every Yeah, every set of lights I come to with God as green. Not every stoplight is green. Every light is green on the tree unless it turns red. Here's the problem. Often we're so far down the rabbit hole of a decision that we just don't think. Who's been tempted? Like, don't put your hand in the air because this would be none of you because you're all manifest sons of God and daughters of God. Who's ever been tempted to just put a little bit of the gas on when the light turns yellow rather than stop Even though you know you're sort of stretching the boundaries of whether you could have stopped or not. Just give it a little tap on the accelerator just to scoot through. And sometimes we're so far into a decision that even when the red light comes on or the orange light comes on, the warning light, we tap the accelerator rather than the brake. Sometimes we tap the accelerator really quickly before God can convict us more there's three people here who are honest they all laughed you know when when we were young in ministry Sue and I and uh, we were in this church we were interns for three and a half years very different internship program to what we've got now it wasn't a program really it was just attached to the senior pastor serving him wonderful man Peter Aspen he and his wife now attend the church again and um, uh, I was Peter's intern after three and a half years in a sense we weren't we were happy to serve, but we were wondering what's next because we felt like God was beginning to stir the, stir the pot a bit in our hearts. And uh, we had a guest speaker stay at our house. who would come to speak at an event that we had in the church. And um, uh, when he went home, he invited us up to his church on the coast and uh, to do some ministry. And we went up and we got to preach and minister to, to a, a youth group and a young adult movement of 250 young people which back in the early 90s that was really substantial and it was under a really well known minist- ministry in our movement across the nation and uh, the week we got back from going up and preaching for him we got a phone call saying um, I'm resigning and we believe you're the one to come and take this ministry full time on the coast wow you know, getting full-time paid to be a youth and young adults pastor, that's a pretty rare opportunity. It certainly was rare back in the 90s and it looked so good. So I said, well, we'll pray about it. And Sue and I as a young married couple, we probably would have been 28 or 29 at the time. um, We decided that we would just uh, not talk about it. We'd pray about it. And at the end of the week, we'd come back and see what God said. Anyway, at the end of the week, we got together and neither of us wanted to talk and then eventually I think Sue said oh, I just don't sense God in it and I was so relieved it was like oh you too that's so good neither of us wanted to say no we shouldn't go to the coast but we both felt that's right that's it we got it I rang him up he couldn't believe it it's like what? what? You know? do you know what an opportunity this is? it's like yeah I do and I really appreciate it it's just we just don't sense it's us it's, it's not for us and so we've, you know, we hung up, went our separate ways. And two weeks later, it turns out that that guy had fallen morally. The church went into a spin. The senior pastor left. And pretty well for 25 years, that church stayed in a state of absolute pain. And if we'd have said yes to that amazing opportunity, I'm not sure we'd even be following Jesus right now. We would have got so smashed getting thrown into the middle of that. We would have caught a ball that wasn't ours to catch. Has you ever seen anyone do that? They stretch out to get a ball like that and dislocate their finger if you've ever watched cricket. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have tried to catch that one. I guess that's why I'm giving this message today because as a pastor, I see that happen to people and I really want to encourage us. Make decisions for destiny, not for convenience not for fear of missing out, not because it feels good at the moment. Make decisions at a base deeper than that. Stop, pray, listen. It wasn't long after that that we were offered to go into business, a business opportunity. A wonderful businessman I'd been working for, doing work for, and he offered to carve a big lump off his business, and just give it to me and give me the shed and give me the tools, give me everything I needed to get into business myself. And then we'd sort it out once I was up and making money. Now that is the rarest opportunity you'll ever get in business. It was a license to print money too, back in the day at $38 an hour. But as I prayed about it, I had to go back to him and say, mate, I know it's a wonderful opportunity and I so appreciate it, but I just feel if I say yes to this, I'm actually saying no to what God's got for me and I can't explain that other than, and this is not about whether you should be in business or ministry, if you're a Christian in business and you believe you should be there, you are in the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. What this is about is knowing where God wants you and and I let that go through to the keeper. I didn't take a swing at that ball and it was only a few weeks after that, so we had the We had the coast opportunity. We had a business opportunity, probably in the same month. And then literally within a couple of weeks, I was sitting in a board meeting here and Peter Aspen said, does anyone want to preach at Crow's Nest? Little country town out there with a church that had been in trouble, had not had a pastor for two years. They were looking at closing it. And uh, and I put my hand up because that's what I did. Yep, opportunity to serve God. And then Peter just threw off... And he's, he admits it to this day. He didn't really mean it. He just said, you don't want to pastor it, do you? <laughs> and something just went boom. And I said, well, if, you, if, if you're serious, I'll pray about it. And I took it home to Sue. And immediately she sort of felt like there is something in this. And I, over the next, you know, 12, 14 hours, we'd made the decision the next day that we were going to throw everything in here, sell our brand new home, was only three years old and moved to Crow's Nest to a church we'd never attended, never even seen. Peter said, oh don't, don't go, you should just go preach for them and see what's out there. And I said, okay, I let him talk me out of it. The next morning I rang him first thing and said, I believe the Holy Spirit's saying if I don't take it sight unseen, I won't take it. So we're going. Wow. And you know, people even well-meaning said to us when we left from, from here, guys, you know, that's not the place to go for you. You're, you're very gifted or whatnot. You'll just get buried. It's a little country town. There was 11 people. And you'll just be forgotten out there. And we went out there and nothing happened for two years. And then all of a sudden things started to happen. By the time we left, there was 130 people and three on staff at Crow's Nest in a town, in a community of 1,250 people. About over 10% of the town in church and it absolutely set us up for our future. But I know, I know this, I never would have got to that point if I hadn't said no to another incredible opportunity that just looked like everything we ever desired. If I hadn't said no to the business thing, which is quite legitimate, but just didn't feel it was for us. Instead, we went to that little, little country town with 11 people and we felt like we'd been given the keys the kingdom of heaven and for seven years we loved and served the people of Crow's Nest you know I'm I'm only saying all of this to say you know what God can save you a lot of pain and he can position you for destiny to be exactly where you're meant to be but if you're driven if you allow your decision making to be driven by a fear of missing out or what's expedient or what just looks good then there's a big chance you'll miss it there's a big chance you'll get to a point in your life where you get to here and you look back and you go you know what I'm in the pain I'm in right now because of decisions back there that I didn't really commit to God. Come on, if 2021 is a year of intimacy and walking with God, walking humbly before God, like I said last week, then the thing that we have to commit to Him is the major decisions of life. Can I ask us some questions just as we close? Okay, I've got a heap of them. You okay? Just as we close, I'm going to close as fast as I can. Can you recognize moments of surrender that brought life to your destiny. You know, for me, when I thought about this, it's like, wow, the first one was meeting Jesus in 1986. As a young man, 21 years of age, if I hadn't made that decision then, my life would look so different now and I'm not sure I'd like it. I made that decision and I I just go back to my whole life, it just looked this way and it was basically headed that way and then there's this big cross in it where I met Jesus and from since then, it hasn't been an easy life, but since then, my life is built in a way that I'm very, very appreciative to God for. Another question, so what about you? Can you identify those key moments? Is the major decision-making pattern of your life one of compulsion or prayer? Is it one of compulsion or prayer? When you come to a major decision, do you feel compelled? I just I better get on this while it's while it's hot. Or is it, Lord, you know, I'm facing a big decision here, so I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna commit this to you because this is something I need to get right. What's the pattern? When was the last time you stopped at a point of decision so you could pray and seek direction? and confirmation of whether to proceed. You know, because I know people who wish they'd done that before they ended up as committed in a business thing or in a relationship or whatever. And all of a sudden they're sort of locked into something that they think, man, I wish there were signs, there were signals. I saw orange lights, but I didn't tap the brake. I just planted the foot. Is there a decision you're facing right now that you need to commit to God? Just think about that. Is there a decision right now that you need to commit to God? And I guess the biggest question is, would you be willing to obey even if the answer doesn't suit you? Because that's the hard bit, isn't it? Like if God just said yes to everything that looked cool, we wouldn't even be having this message. (laughs) But the issue is often things look good but they're not necessarily going to take us into our future. Sometimes we're actually going to sabotage our future with things like debt or a difficult relationship or we can actually sabotage by making the wrong decision. So would you be prepared to put the brakes on? Would you be prepared to change direction? when the answer doesn't suit because I think at that point it's a point of surrender it's a point of intimacy and and for me I know for Sue and I whenever we've made a big decision like that even when it doesn't seem to suit us within a very short time we're walking away going my goodness didn't God save us from some pain with that Boy, we're glad. Boy, we're glad that we just surrendered then and we didn't just push on just because we could. But we actually committed it to God. We saw the red light. We decided to stop at the red light. And three weeks, you know, or whatever, sometime later, a a train goes speeding through and you think, we just dodged a bullet with that one. Can I pray for us today? Would you think about your decision-making process? Would you commit this year to a year of surrender? Decisions for destiny. Not driven, not compelled, not fearful, but committed to God, moving into your destiny, into your future, into what he has for you. Could we stand together today? Let's stand together. Thank you, Father. I thank you for every heart, uh, every life, every family all of our loved ones because the decisions we make impact everything around us and Father, we commit ourselves this year to hearing from heaven particularly in the bigger things just stopping to listen stopping to pray and hear from heaven help us Lord help us to make decisions for destiny help us to make decisions that empower not restrict our future in Jesus' name. While our heads about, you know, if you're here today and, uh, and maybe you've never made that first big decision that I talked about, which was, you know, opening my heart to Jesus, you're able to make that decision today. If you're listening to this going, man, I wish my life was directed by something more than just my feelings or compulsion of the society around me then friend you can open your heart right where you are you can make a quality decision a decision for destiny by simply welcoming Jesus into your life you know stop arguing stop fighting whatever you've been doing to hold God at a distance or maybe you've just really not understood he's got a plan for you well friend you can surrender to that plan this morning in the simplest of ways just open your heart and welcome Jesus in I encourage you to do it. It'll change your whole future. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Sue. Awesome. Can we thank uh, Chris this morning?